Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Thanks for joining us for another week of Take Two. I always love it because we're Fridays, the weekend's right there. I was rushing today and I'm still sweating, so I'm glad this is a podcast. I couldn't decide why I was so hot in my car. I got out and my seat heater was on from last night. Oh, and now I'm like, oh my gosh. Well, you, so don't, anyhow, not, you don't look like you're I don't look like I'm sweating to death. Well, well, good. Well, I get in the car see. and I always feel hot. You do? <laughs> you're like, yeah. um, you're one of those car selfie it's people? You're hot stuff, Jim. That's why. You're just, you're hot some of your stuff. best selfies are in the car. Just make sure you have your seatbelt on and you're not driving. That's right. All right. We've got some important issues to talk about, but <laughs> let's start with something fun. Like ladies in football. Yes, I'm All right. so excited so about this. So this is your issue. So this is mine. we've done a story this about this fine young lady several times. She wants to bring football to Utah high schools. Yes. Let's talk a little bit about this. So breaking news this week, okay. uh, there is going to be a survey. The federal judge has said that he would like that they would. I think it's a, she should like to see a survey of students, yeah. uh, high school students in the state of Utah, females who'd be interested in, in the sport of football, contact football. Uh, they have 400. Girls, uh, and they have put together teams. They've had uh, games since 2015, fully, uh, you know, all pads, helmets, everything. Sam Gordon became an Internet uh, sensation when, as a Ute Conference a little nine-year-old, she she's was running adorable, rings yeah. around all the guys playing uh, contact football. She's actually been recognized by the NFL, has been given an award as a, as a, a, a groundbreaking uh, achievement, and she was in a Super Bowl commercial this last year. Uh, because she is bringing the sport of football, or, or working towards bringing it to, to women. And there's been a lot of uh, popularity to this and a lot of demand. I think the judge is trying is to sort it enough, out. Is there enough, though, is the question. If you're looking at this, is it fun to talk about, or if we really tried to make an actual girls football team at every high school, do you think there's enough to pull it off? I, I, well, we have four. It started with 50 girls. There's up to 400 girls that are playing right now that are playing the sport. And I think that, again, the, the federal, this has happened a long time ago, but Title IX yeah. was a ruling that said you have to have equal opportunity for sporting activities and events uh, or participation for girls as you do. All right. But, but do you have so, to throw one sport out then? Would you have to throw out you know, ladies? I, well, I hope not. I think it could be a spring sport. You wouldn't. Have, you could use the, the equipment from the schools that you use for the boys' uh, sport. You could use it for the girls we in a spring league. We need equal opportunity of brain damage for girls as well as boys, I guess. If, if I were a parent, <laughs> I wouldn't let my boy or girl... The evidence is clear. Not, see, this is this is oh, why please. Jim is a Democrat. He just hates everything good about America, like football. Come I don't on. know. I'm let it go. Football. I, my big question is interest, and we're Gosh. doing the survey. I just can have concerns that even when you're trying to get a powder puff team together, oftentimes it's not there. I think they should grow the sport more. And once they have maybe another 400 girls on top All of right, that, put let's it into go the on. schools. You've had enough of I football? I mean, I've had enough of football. Sam Gordon, she's also on the Martha Hughes Cannon's uh, selection committee that's yeah. going to put the statue of Martha Hughes Cannon in the U.S. Capitol. She's on there. I, I appointed her to it's that good. committee. 
She's Excellent. Doing a good job. Jim's like, enough of sports. Let's move on to politics. Okay. He hates football. The state is. I love football. Go Patriots. Okay, marijuana. There um, was a court ruling this week. Uh, the state's arguing that Prop 2 replacement not unconstitutional. The LDS church influence is not provable at this point. So yesterday, basically, the ruling from the court was there was no collusion with the LDS church in trying to make sure that marijuana was not really passed, but passed to the desires they had. Let's start with you, Jim. Do you think there was collusion well, I, on marijuana? I hate the word collusion. collusion I mean, look, did the LDS year. church get in a room with the few people that changed the people's marijuana bill and change it to something that this small group wanted? Yes, they did. Was and that I, illegal? Is no, well, I don't, I don't know, uh, but... It, it's interesting. Did the judge say there could not be discovery and that there could not be depositions and just decided that there was no collusion? How could you make that decision without getting the facts? I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know enough about the case, but... So I do because, well, I don't know much about the case, but I was you named in the in case. You were in on these secret yeah, arguments. I, they, people came to my office at my invitation. You're where the conspiracy took place. Now, I, I will just say this. We, the people that collected the signatures, okay. the people that wrote the, the, the entire uh, proposition, uh, the people that campaigned for this were in the room. I had to be in the room or you wouldn't have a discussion. Uh, those that were concerned, including the Utah Medical Association, were there. Also, uh, no more than, than in Rome, the Catholic Church would have, a, have influence. You see that the, the LDS Church uh, was concerned about this legislation. It was one of the voices coming together. Now, I didn't invite a Russian. There are no Russians in this collusion <laughs> that's been accused, okay? But I will say that, that it, what I was proud about was that there was common ground that could be found October 1st before a vote would take place. And the signal was this is the most successful proposition that has ever been proposed because we were no longer talking if, we were talking how are we going to come together and make sure that medical cannabis is available to people That's that are in need. One and we were very transparent view. about it. We were very transparent. There was a very big news conference. It was not done and, and, and the, let out of the bag after a vote had occurred. It was said clear before, six weeks before the election took place, that we are having this uh, working together, finding common ground, which is, we don't see this enough this in politics. Little cabal, this should not be a bad thing. This little cabal of people saw that the proposition was going to pass. That the people of the state wanted it to pass, and guess what? They wanted it to pass the way that they wrote it. So the cabal came in and said, you know what? We're going to rewrite it. And if it fails, it fails. But if it passes, it goes our way. That is not no, the Jim, way. If it that, failed, that agreement uh, was going to stay in place. That that agreement. The was agreement going to stay, doesn't stay in place, fail. but it wasn't going to. But it wouldn't have any effect of law because it would have failed. Do you believe the proposition mm. was doable as passed, how it was, or would there have needed to be reworking the legislature anyways? Because it seemed to me like there were some legal issues and ramifications that came from the way that people passed it in the first Small, place. Small, uh, those. The little things could have been changed, but what was done is a complete overhaul and an overthrowing of the will of the people in the state of Utah. I'm not convinced that there will ever be a medical dosage given out in the state of Utah. We're spending millions and millions of dollars. We're setting up a bureaucracy that's going to be like the DABC. We're keeping track of every plant grown everywhere. We're setting up special places. It is, it is a nightmare of epic proportions, 
And then guess who we're going to charge? The patients. You couldn't imagine a worse bureaucratic nightmare than this compromise came up with. Well, this weekend I could be planting marijuana with my tomatoes if we would have left it how it was. Five or six plants? What happens if they go to seed and I have 12? So many questions. See, there's a lot. If you you were seeking medical cannabis before this bill passed, uh, it was illegal. Today it is legal. If you have it in a a dosage amount and you have the recommendation from a physician, you can have it today, even before the state has set up its its cultivation centers, its processors, or even its distribution. It is legal today for those that are in need that but need it with the recommendation doctor, of a physician. Give me the name of a doctor that's writing them. So, IMC, I no, think that's their doctor. So IHC, IHC changed course. They said we're going okay, to allow doctors to do it. Give me the name of it. a physician that is doing it. They're not. They're afraid to. Jim, that was a, that having physicians participate was integral to the proposition as well. You needed, and we were told that physicians, if it was legal, as the state, as other states have done, 35 states now, that they would engage and they would recommend. And so if, you have if that right now. it would have passed, if the initiative would have passed, there would be physicians, I predict, writing it now. Now they're afraid. Go look now at I, their revisionists. That's why not one legal, somebody show me. A prescription that a physician in Utah signed. It hasn't happened. It was never I think going they're to be a out there. It have to be a recommendation. All right, a recommendation. But I think yeah. Inner Mountain. We did a story with them. Medical had um, basically a meeting and a letter that went out to all their providers, teaching them how to do it and protocols and whatnot. So I'm pretty and sure they are, but it may be no, something new that they're not. Insurance issues and taking away well, their there license. Well, it was never going to be covered problem. by insurance, whether Prop Two passed unchanged or not. But I will tell you no, this: I mean the personal the, insurance. The public for the hearings that we held. Okay, the public hearings we held, we had physicians that attended, a good number of them. Also physician assistants as well as nurse practitioners, licensed nurse practitioners. They all expressed, many expressed, in in fact, more expressed wanting to be a part of this than those that, that came and expressed then concern. Then why aren't we seeing So you have to imagine that written. if they were engaging and supporting this, that they would be helping patients right now. I think it's a con All right, we're going to follow up on that. But before we move on, Not some good Greg. news for you in Las Vegas. <laughs> they're trying to change the law. So if you wanted to go back down there and eat another marijuana gummy in public, you could do it. Because right now you have to be on private property. You are property the poster child for unintended so, consequences. Yeah, so they're actually changing the law. I don't know if it was it's because of It's called the Jim DeBacchus law. They are, so the, they're Jim changing Jim DeBacchus it. act. So I'll the next it. time you go, you might be able to legally eat your marijuana gummy in the I parking lot. I just want lot. to say to the 32 million people who watch that video. <laughs> I like how you just throw the 32 million out there like Oh, did so I say that? Yeah. 32 million? Yeah. yeah. It's no big deal. I mean, I was deeply disappointed. The first time I tried it, nothing. You know, a little buzz. I, I got more from five Diet Cokes. I, it's, it's overrated. <laughs> just remember, if you feel different, you drive different. All right. Let's move on to our next topic. This one's for you because I saw you posting about it. President Trump on National Prayer Day in the Rose Garden announced um, that he is going to defend clinicians' right to refuse to perform abortions, which to my understanding was if you personally are against abortions that you would not have to provide them. You could say, I would prefer that you go to someone else in my office or refer them to someone else. You think this has further reaching grasps. Tell me what you think is going to happen. You know, the 300 pages in rule changes that the president signed from HHW doesn't say abortion. It says any medical procedure and it's not confined to physicians. It's ER docs, it's um, people that ride in ambulances, it's uh, people that write billing, 
it's receptionist. If you don't, if you have a, uh, if you have a deeply held moral conviction against treating that person, if you can't deal with alcoholics or you don't think that... It's not that, that person, it, is, as I understand it. Is it that person? I thought person. it was a specific procedure you don't want to do. No, no. it is a person. So it is, it is what the far right has been asking for for a long time because it doesn't just cover abortion. It says you don't want to treat gay people. You don't have to touch them. Yeah. And, and emergency situations are not exempt. So I can just see bad things happen. Is there anyone who really goes into the healthcare business industry that doesn't want to save so lives? That's my question. Why do we need this then? That is a good question. I mean, uh, well, it's scary. Let's, 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 no, let, let's pull it this way. But abortion, technically, I don't think anybody should be is not always saving lives. An abortion Jim, if Jim they don't, don't you to. think though the mm -hmm. fear or the the idea that against your religious convictions or against what you personally believe, you would be forced to perform a procedure is more an academic conversation than reality. And what I mean by that is. I don't believe, like in the last segment where we talked about maybe the apprehension of doctors to recommend medical cannabis. In 2019, if someone chooses to have an abortion, I don't believe that there are major barriers preventing a woman from seeking access to that kind of healthcare procedure. But what I do think is politically, we can talk in, in logical extremes and, and, and fire both sides up and make everybody upset, let people adhere to their religious convictions and my bet is not one person is going to be turned away from the medical help they need and life is going to continue on and my fear is that you have people that want to to pit people against each other create political firestorms and in the in reality this isn't even a real debate it's kind of like when we worry about children who are confused about their gender and where they would go to the to the bathroom when the Obama administration wanted a big giant neon light this is where you're gonna go it mortified the children that were having these difficulties in their parents is a very private situation of which school districts were navigating but somebody chose to politicize it I think we need to calm the waters let people uh, act according to their religious convictions and my 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 belief is, Jim, that you're not going to see people turned away. There are available. There's help for those that like, need it. It's absurd to think that a baker wouldn't create a cake for a, a gay couple married, right? That could never happen. You it's told so me absurd. you wouldn't want a cake from someone that didn't want to make it for you. You were worried about the cake maker. That's I know. You do me. you want someone like Pete in the cake batter? <laughs> These are all questions. Yes. Yeah. Okay, do I, you I, really I, want the cake I, from I, a person who didn't want to make it? I'm I wish we had a world on. where everyone were just happy and kind to each other. But I'm hoping that people who get into the business of saving lives are there to save lives. I and think it's it will case. go Look, on. This, we will this check allows back on this. Bubba to say, that's wrong. Okay. Theoretically, I it think could, you're right. And it I, could happen. I but hope I think it practically speaking, people will be able to receive the help they need. And another topic that's coming up, which could be a hot mess this weekend, the Utah GOP is meeting. Is there yes. anything that you have heard in the last week since we've discussed this last that's changing? Are we really going to be talking about issues that have been settled already and voting on? Uh, they're they're going to come up. And, uh, and to, to what degree and how successful that or how robust that debate will be remains to be seen. I'm not really sure. Uh, but you're going to have a new party chair no matter what. The, exists, the current party chair is not running for re-election. Uh, you have a number of, of candidates that are running. Uh, Derek Brown, a former colleague of mine, he's running for party chair. I, uh, I, I think he has, he's worked very hard, but you have Phil Wright, who's been the vice chair in the past. He would be seen 
by observers is further to the right of, of Derek Brown. Um, but when you're talking a Republican convention, everyone's on the right. You know? Everyone so, in the convention is on the right. So, but the idea is you're trying to join two pieces of the Republican Party. You've got a lot of conservatives in the party that are not far-leaning right, and you've got the far right. Yeah. So how do you make the party not be a you got the far mess? right, and then you got the wacko far right. I mean, that's where the it's debate is. Look, the same, it's the same world in Jim's party, because I'll tell you, every political party has three rings in this circus. One is one is the grassroots, and there's a lot of Bernieites. There's that, a lot of Bernie Sanders here the, in Utah. And mad yeah. at the elected uh, Democrats that serve in the state. Yeah. You have the you have the donors, those who contribute. Of, of which Jim is one of the biggest. I, he's a, he's Contributors the daddy to the war bucks of the Democrat Party <laughs> right here in front of us. But you have donors, and then you have those that are elected. And yes. so that's your three-ring circus. And you have to have a party chair that knows how to navigate in all three of those r circles. Uh, and they don't really overlap a whole lot. No. So those are the, that's the chemistry and the dynamics that every party has to go through. The Democrats are going through that. The Republicans are going through that. I think because the Republicans are a supermajority, it gets more attention when yeah. there's that uh, when there's that conflict. But I, I think it's natural to uh, Republican parties or to political parties. And the, I think the bigger question is how relevant will political parties be going forward? Are they what they used to be in terms of? The, the machinery and the grassroots that helps and platforms. I think social media move, has changed it, yeah. Yeah, that help move candidates forward. That's a, that's a big a question. It's a nightmare. It's the worst job in sports. I mean, I I agree. I don't know how, and I did it for three years, and I, I kind of loved it, but I, it was before this giant divide, at least with the Democrats. And, you know, Thomas Wright, who was the chair of the party at that time, uh, and I, we didn't know each other before, but we had a lot of joint appearances, yeah. you know, debates and stuff. And we'd get in the car and drive to Logan or drive down to St. George or Ogden or wherever we were going. And and it would freak out people when we would get that out of the same, They the were same really car. offended, you know, that we would do that. Like somehow we had dishonored America by doing that. See, but and that's what's I, wrong, isn't it? Shouldn't we be able to have political differences and still be friends and understand each other and get along? And, dude, we didn't talk politics when we were in the car. What did you going, talk about? What did you, you, know, what did you boys talk about? Whatever we're talking about, about life or whatever people talk about when they're driving. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't football, it was wasn't high. Definitely not football. football. <laughs> no. I think America screwed up uh, on that level, you know? Maybe too many fumes in the air, which is a good transition <laughs> here because Kennecott is doing us all a favor right now. Yeah. Have you guys yeah. heard about this? Shutting down its coal power plant in Magna. You can drive oftentimes on I-80 and you can just see the cloud of nastiness there. They're shifting to renewable energy. Their carbon footprint is going to be cut by 65%. Can others do the same thing if they're doing this? Because I would assume that they're probably a large polluter in our state with what they do. Industrial pollution can be, we could do a lot about it. Um, and we ought to be doing a lot more than we are doing Rocky Mountain Power. What do they call now? Is it still that? Uh, They're still Rocky still Mountain Rocky Power. Mountain Power. Yeah. You're thinking, yeah. Dominion, You're thinking Dominion, Dominion Energy. Yeah. Well, anyway, they held on to coal way past the time they should have, and that's unfortunate. It's time now to recognize the era of coal is gone, and let's embrace what's coming. That's where we need to go. Good job. Uh, real yeah, I, I think it, there's a saying, if it doesn't make money, it doesn't make sense. You, I think that it, it may be hard to convert from a coal-fired power plant to a natural yeah. gas or some cleaner uh, fuel to power your power plants. But it is, it is happening in the United States, and I think it's, it's a good thing. 
I think one of the, the, the areas, though, that environmentalists miss is we talk about global climate change, mm -hmm. and we talk about we need to do all that we can. And certainly, I think in Utah, we're seeing the right changes being made. I think even nationally we are. We're seeing less and less coal-fired power plants. Yeah. But what do you do about the countries that are still importing in 280 million tons of coal a year, 100 million tons that they're extracting on their own? I'm talking about China specifically. If you have Carbon County where the, the sulfur rate is lower than the coal that they're getting from Australia or from Indonesia by a lot, uh, wouldn't you want the cleanest coal, as they're converting, by the way. China has not said, we're hanging on to carbon, we're never letting go, but it's a pretty big country. So less bad is better so than bad. If you're, yeah, well, if you have a cleaner alternative of that carbon fuel, we should not be opposed to that because we're not going to save this planet from the state of Utah by itself, nor from the United States itself. So we yeah. should be looking at cleaner sources. We should sources. be in Paris, right? We should be sitting down well, with these other countries and having a global approach. And yet, in our whole congressional delegation, it's only Ben McAdams who said, we should be part of the Did international The Paris Accord or Treaty, the farce about that is nobody has connected the dots that all those riots, all the, all the violence that occurred was the carbon tax that was attempted to be placed on. Everybody lost their minds in Paris. I'm going to tell you, the way it's happening in the United States, the way this movement is happening is the way you want it to happen. You're not going to summarily you know, exempt India and China out of it with all the carbon they're burning and tell every other state they got to get to zero emissions. It's not going to happen that plan. way, Jim. But what, it, what can happen is what we're watching. It is a good plan with goals that were voluntary and to have the United States walk away and now to have a secretary of, of the interior in Washington who's gone crazy with Utah land. They're opening up places, you guys those national every, parks. This is a whole other topic going. for All another right. hey, day just, at this one, point. One, one little fact point real quick. The, the biggest pollution, the, the thing that contributes the most uh, pollution to our, our air in, U, in Utah is still our, the tailpipes of the automobiles. So we all have to So tier three fuel, tier, tier three vehicles is going to cut that down. Certainly the industrial emissions as well. I think we're going in the right direction, and uh, I think we can lead by example. I'm admittedly part of that problem. My husband drives, I think, a 2001 Durango, and my car's a 2006. But I hate investing in new cars because they're not really an investment. Not an so investment. I have to wait till my car dies. But when it does, I swear I'm going to get a cleaner you one. Kill it. I know you're going to kill it. <laughs> Don't murder it. Yeah, I love wait, it. Wait, it's my party like, what kind of car is it again? I'm Jim not, wants to know. I'm not telling you. I saw a Hummer the other day. You did. Was, I hope you didn't it, key it, it just it was, because it was a Hummer. It was in the it was in the parking lot, and, and I saw the woman um, get into it, and and I just said to her, "You have a Hummer with an Obama sticker on it." <laughs> oh, Good look at you, you judging her! Good wow, she you. said she said, "Yeah, I get flipped off by everybody." <laughs> That's what she said, and nobody we likes her. About it. She yeah. probably lives in Park City, and she needs it to get up the mountain, right? Yeah, well, you never know. All right, um, big issue this week: AISU. And every time I see that school, charter school in Murray. I think of the 49th Street Galleria that yeah, failed in that building. I loved roller skating there. But the big topic <laughs> right now, though, is they are trying to make hard decisions. Do they shut down four weeks before the school year ends? Can they pay the teachers? What about these kids trying to graduate and their credits? How did we get into this mess? Do charter schools need more oversight? Why do they owe the, all of this the, money? The state stopped payment the way I understand mm -hmm. it yeah. because there were some issues that weren't resolved. Yeah. And so that's what's left. A school that a lot of people are saying is it may have had some financial issues, but at least lately is is doing pretty good. The state's saying, "Look, we have rules. They were greatly abused. We're not giving you more money until yeah. da 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 da." 
Yeah, I think the reg I think that that uh, regulatory climate is there. Uh, charter schools have to report to the state office of education the same way a school district would. So yep. there's great specificity, and I think that's how the the financial issues came to a head. My take on I'm I'm an advocate of uh, non-traditional public schools, charter schools. I think that if you talk to parents, you get to the crux of why these schools are important, especially when your traditional schools have such large class sizes. And if there's a way to, without using taxpayer dollars, find other institutions. That, in a non-traditional public school uh, way, can help kids get a good education. We need that in a, in a state where we have so many students and our student population is growing. But this is what I believe. If a charter school can't make it, it ought to fail. And I think that's what makes so charter schools So should AISU fail if they or can't should pay they the pull bills, it together and figure it well, out? Well, I would hope they could pull it together and, and for the parents and, the, and certainly for the students' sake. But this model is not meant to be, what's wrong? You, you have failed. Well, give me more money. You know, okay, you're still yeah. not doing well. Well, just give me more money. You don't want to have that. If a school can't, if a, if a non-traditional charter school can't make it, then I don't think it should be around. And I think that that self-correction is good for public education. I think that that's a good thing. I don't think it indicts charter schools. It shows that you got to play by the rules. you got to do it right. And if you can't, well, there's plenty of others out there that will. And so I hope they can pull it together. But, but I think that what you're seeing happening right now is showing why I think charter schools can and do work. All right. Uh, on the issue of education and self-correction right now, you brought this to my attention, one of you, I don't even remember. Uh, school board, the Utah school board, really runs education in the state. There's some changes. Jim, is, were you mentioning that? Now yeah, I can't even remember. You know, I spent What's changing? six years on education uh, on the, in the legislature. And I, You're rubbing you your face. You sitting down. <laughs> Okay. Trying to come up with a convoluted, kooky way to do things. <laughs> That's how we're the doing it. The ABC on one, the cannabis, and then you'd come up with the way that the founding fathers came up with governing education in the state. They said, all right, the governor, you get to say a few things, but most of you are bully yeah. pulpit. Then legislature, you get to fund it, and you got to make it a law in order to have any control over it. And we're going to put the power in a group of 15 people that no one has ever heard of and have them be elections where there's 150,000 people, none of whom have heard of any of the candidates, and they get to spend that $4 billion. And it is a mess. These people have not done a good job. They don't know what they're doing. There's a lot of ideologues on there. Um, and consequently, everybody thinks it's the governor yeah. who's running education. The governor's got diddly squat to say about it. There is no governance. It's like having a school bus with 20 people driving it. It's a mess. We should dump the school board completely, put the governor in charge, and that's hard for me to say because I know it'll probably be a Republican. But nonetheless, at least there'll be some responsibility somewhere. Are we losing school board members right now? Are there any stepping down? Two of them down? quit. Two of them quit. Two Tell of us the, who quit. Two of the really conservative ones. Lisa that, Cummins is one of them. Yeah. And they believe things like, um, and fought that, that um, well, some very conservative We have some, done some stories. I believe Chris Jones did an investigative piece on her, and I can't remember the details because we started talking about this right before the podcast, but I think she did post some fairly no extreme sex education views changes. on her Facebook page. Yeah. There shouldn't be t any talking about evolution. Uh, it should be as a theory. Uh, climate change shouldn't be talked about. I mean... Uh, this is not the forum where these things, in my opinion, ought to be discussed. Um, and and they, instead of talking about how to spend this four billion dollars a year and 
and working together, it, it's been this divided kind of ideological thing. Let's do away with the state school. Is board. it working how it is? It's it's a, it's it's tough. It is not the the state school board is not found within the executive branch. It's not found within the legislative branch. It's certainly not part of the judiciary. Uh, the governor does have control in that he gets to pick the candidates that will ultimately appear on the ballot for voters to vote yeah. on. But these districts are well over 100,000 constituents. A state, to give you an idea, a state senate district is 90,000. Uh, no one contributes really to these school board races. And you don't so hear debates. Is, you don't really no, know anything is, about these if people. There was a, if there was a low information voting cycle or the lowest information voting cycle amongst candidates that you would choose from, yeah. the state school board is the lowest information that a voter would have because they wouldn't know. So you end up with things... Uh, statistical uh, influencing like who's first on the ballot, whose name appears first. If it's a female, some people think that women uh, would understand education better than men because they associate women with being teachers. Maybe it's an old school mentality, but statistically uh, there is an advantage there because you don't have the robust debate going on. Jim had a bill and there's been so many attempts in the legislature to try to revamp that. Do we, yeah. do we make it partisan so at least delegates are asking hard questions um, is it, is, do you just have the, the governor uh, appoint every single member and the buck stops with the governor himself uh, or herself, whoever the governor would ultimately be? Th those are questions, and I think that it's a good topic to bring up because I don't think that the system that we have now and those 15, while they're good, I don't have anything bad to say about our school board members. I think they work very, very hard. I knew the one that represented our district for quite some time. He's not in that position now. But they work very hard. Um, but I do think that for accountability to the public, to have a greater robust yeah. debate, I do think there has to be some changes to that process. I would like to see changes because I always vote and I like to be an educated voter, but sometimes I feel like I can't educate myself. And that's one of the things where sometimes I've admittedly skipped over it before. Just ask me, I'll let you okay, I yeah, will ask next time do. because I, I will care throw about my body education. In front of but that, yeah, that it's hard to know who you're voting for. Um, one last topic before we wrap it up and get out of here. Uh, Angela Merrill wants businesses like karaoke bars and acts throwing places to be able to sell alcohol to me i mean i like the idea of having more businesses have the ability but do we really really want to be mixing axes and alcohol this just seems like a bad idea i'm imagining me with an axe even without alcohol is this a good idea greg so look i i've been to nashville i think it's Jim, no drumming. it's not it's, your it's, turn it's yet beale street this big street in nashville where uh, all the all so. the yeah, yeah, yeah. honky tonks all the clubs are i've been to a, a, a karaoke club or bar there uh during a conference and there's so much talent in but Nashville. But drunk singing is fun, right? Yeah, and so uh, to have a karaoke atmosphere and some of the talent and people that sing, it blows your mind. It's not just, you know, inebriated people off key. There's some real entertainment that there's happens people, there. Yeah. I could see that being in a bar setting. The axe throwing, I, <laughs> I, I, ju I just don't. It's, I've never really put the two together, Jim. Maybe you see it differently, but whipping axes and throwing a few back, it just seems a little incongruent to me, but... Um, I'm not sure it's the patrons that are throwing the axes. I don't know. I yeah, patrons throw axes. Right. What do you think those axe throwing businesses are? I we do that for parties here at Channel 2. You wear a plaid shirt, you get an axe, and you huck it at the wall, and the idea is it sticks in the wall. You don't need any, like, training. You just I need to have $10 store. or whatever. I have whatever. a good comment, but I'm going to let it go because my Facebook people are listening. Oh, please, tell us uh, quickly. Go. Uh, look, I just want to look at the camera and say to the legislature, my dearies... <laughs> That's creepy. Dearies, that sounds like the Wizard of Oz. You don't understand Salt Lake City. We have conventions. We have out-of-state people. 
we have business leaders who are trying to get to come here, and we need, as Park City does, and as Snowbird does, and as downtown Ogden needs, we need the oak of you running every zoning decision based on alcohol out of your hands. Because Box Elder County is different than downtown Salt Lake. They leave might be us, able to throw axes better without alcohol. Leave us alone. If we want to have really karaoke or if we're 503 feet from a library and we want to give a restaurant that or we've got a big tall building that you're precluding from having a bar or a restaurant that serves alcohol because it's this close to a church, we can handle it. And the legislature needs to allow more flexibility to our communities to make these kind of decisions, including karaoke and beer halls. All right, I think we all agree on the karaoke, maybe not access. We'll find yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> I suspect the karaoke was an unintended consequence. I think they did some broad categories, and maybe karaoke got caught in the crosshairs unintentionally. Okay, so that's your homework this weekend. I want you to go throw axes and then report back to us when you return. Not gummies, axes. Throwing axes. No gummies, you need axes. Maybe I could could take a gummy and throw them and then have a couple of beers and throw them and see See which which impairs you the worst. All right, have your friends take video so we can share that online. That's it for us this week. Thanks so much for joining. Have a great weekend, and we'll be back at it next week.